Before we get started, a quick disclaimer. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Nothing you hear is an offer or a solicitation to buy or sell any investment. And with that, hello and welcome to the Rangely Capital Podcast. It is Tuesday, March 29th, and I'm Andrew Walker, a portfolio manager at Rangely. With me, as always, my co-host and Rangely's founder, Chris Demuth. Uh, today, we've got a completely Elon Musk-themed podcast. Uh, you know, Chris, I think outside of maybe Donald Trump and Warren Buffett, Elon Musk has been by far the most frequently talked about person on this podcast. Uh, he's been in the news an absolute ton this week, and it's only Tuesday, so uh, who knows what's to come. But, you know, China, uh, we'll start with Tesla, where Chinese giant Tencent, they bought a 5% passive stake in Tesla this week. The news came out. And Elon Musk started making some bold claims about the company's future. Uh, we can also talk about his new Neuralink company, which is going to be doing cognitive brain computing type things. Uh, SpaceX is going to look for a historic rocket launch uh, towards the end of this week that's going to reuse engines. It'll be the first time that uh, space engines have ever been reused in a launch. And then uh, last month, uh, he launched The Boring Company, which is the funniest name I've ever heard. And every time I think about it, it makes me giggle. Uh, So, Chris, that's four things. Tesla, Neuralink, SpaceX, Boring Company. Where do you want to start? I want to start with The Boring Company. Okay, The Boring Company. Let's go. You know, he is such an interesting character. And we were saying before we started about how well uh, you sympathize with the longs and the shorts. I I have uh, the same reaction, a strong reaction to him. I think that he is a great engineer and I deeply love engineering and he's a great marketer and I don't deeply love great marketing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's, and the latter is where I get uh, my uh, skepticism of his. But um, so he has this big hole in his SpaceX parking lot. Yeah. So the boring company, the, the, the way apparently it started was he was sitting in traffic in I think it was December and he said, someone should drill holes. Uh, someone should drill holes under the city to solve the tra- all the uh, city's traffic problems. And nobody did it, and he kept telling people to do it. So finally he just said, okay, I'm going to do it. And he started a company, The Boring Company. They're literally boring holes, but it's also funny because it's boring. But go ahead. uh, There's a wonderful Twitter feed that is a a parody fake Elon Musk. Uh, And it's funny, but also some of the suggestions are kind of good, actually. That's just just, uh, Elon Musk when he's bored. And this seems like right out of that parody that he uh, uh, just was stuck in traffic. I think the solution for LA traffic is don't live in LA. And the second solution to LA traffic is self-driving cars, which he is already on the forefront of, uh, which will pull you know ninety or ninety-five percent. We pull huge numbers of cars off the road. And that was something that was interesting to me. So his theory on the boring company was: look, traffic is awful, and mm-hmm. part of it is because we've only built up above ground. Whereas we can go if we start building below ground tunnels, you can like solve traffic because you because you get basically unlimited driving space. But the interesting thought is like that is a massive, massive capital investment, a massive engineering project, and. Do you really need to drill below ground if, you know, five years, 10 years from now or something in the very near term, there's going to be autonomous cars, which are going to solve a lot of the traffic issues. And in terms of systems, one of my favorite things about Musk is he's great at thinking about optimizing systems. It's a guy who likes trial and error and he kind of does trial and error and hone and he bought one of these big uh, machines and really figured out what the uh, critical path was for much better uh, drilling. And um, I I think systemically you have self-driving cars and then you have congestion pricing. I mean, the idea that we all need to do agriculture together that used to be most of the population now 1%, fine. 
maybe manufacturing, but service and capital, we don't need to all work at the same time. Mm -hmm. It's just a complete bogus uh, of something left over from antiquity that that we're stuck with and people sit in traffic. I never do. I I don't quite understand why anybody does. It seems avoidable, but certainly it's systemically avoidable uh, with with pricing um, for uh, for congestion. Uh, in his specific machine, I thought it was very interesting how he, he kind of rates these things. He kind of priced out how much he could slightly, massively, and then uh, improve 10x the uh, boring process. And, and, and I love how he thinks about optimizing. He said that, you know, that the, the drilling is fine and the propping up the shaft is fine, but the big problem is the muck, the, the pulling out with uh, the conveyor belts to get it out. We can't yet do that at the same time that we can keep drilling. And if mm-hmm. we could have a really optimized machine, we could just drill 24 hours a day and just keep going. Uh, there is also the problem that if you look at stats on increasing uh, road bandwidth, it affects behavior in an adverse way. Mostly, mm-hmm. you know, you take a road from three to five lanes. There's frequently just as much congestion afterwards as before. People take the road more, and so I think you'd find that with his tunnels under LA. Though I guess the thing is, you're not taking it from three to five. You're taking it from three to thirty if you can bore sure. endlessly. And at some point, you just reach the limits of humans. Uh, you know, I, I do think what you said about exponentials is interesting. I was listening to a podcast with Netflix's founder the other day, and one thing he was saying was when he first started thinking, "Hey." We're going to stream movies over the internet. A lot of people were laughing at him. We're like, you can't stream movies over the internet. And he couldn't really understand why. He was like, well, sure. Like today you you physically can, but it doesn't make any sense because download speeds are so slow and computers don't have enough memory and all that. But if you just think exponentially like five, ten years from now, internet speeds, of course, are going to be faster. It's a technology. Of course, computers are going to be able to hold more, uh, more memory, are going to be able to download a lot more things. And that's what he was thinking. And clearly he was turned out correct. And Elon Musk thinks in much the same way. It's not what's the cost to launch a rocket today. It's what's the cost to launch a rocket five years from now after we've perfected the process and we'll launch 10 of them at half the cost and we'll make a kajillion dollars in profits. One thing nice about inequality in terms of bucks, in terms of brains, and in terms of jobs is that when you have somebody who on the margin needs to keep their job, you know, kind of Mm -hmm. a middle uh, manager at some division of Boeing, they're going to always be incrementalists because they don't want to get fired. They want to keep their salary Mm -hmm. and they're kind of just uh, building uh, for the most part and just, just around the margins. But Elon Musk, he can afford to say, let's make it 10 times as good. You know, who cares if he fails? What, he fails at his drilling company and he's left as nothing but a multi-billionaire with another, you know, four companies left over, you know, it'd probably be just as well if he failed, uh, at least for his other ventures. And so he can he can take these kind of step change attempts. Yeah, and look, we talked about the patent system last week, and I think this is what we were, we talked about it on our golf ball podcast, right? And this is what we were, A, hating on for the golf balls, and B, loving the patent system for uh, pharmaceutical companies, mm-hmm. right? Like, the golf balls, each marginal improvement, like, do you really need a patent to protect that? Or is right. it just entrenching someone from uh, preventing new incumbents from coming in but the pharmaceutical process you know if people can take these small these small bets in terms of capital outlays but with tons of risk and unlimited upside if they can cure cancer or treat a untreatable disease currently like that's great for patent having that type of exponential upside and in his case like you're saying the boring company yes he'll invest maybe he'll invest 50 million maybe he'll invest 100 million but he's a multi-billionaire and if you think the upsides both for him if this succeeds and for the world in general if this succeeds like these are interesting bets and these are the type of bets you wish more people would take 
Um, can we go to SpaceX? Let's go to SpaceX. I'll let you start. Sure. I, 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 this thought about SpaceX. So a Musk and Amazon founder, Jeff Bezos, are in this wonderful uh, rivalry. It really seems like something out of the kind of robber barons in the late 1800s. Yeah, and yeah. these kind of, kind of larger-than-life titans of industry battling out over real accomplishments that are that's just driving humanity forward on the backs of their ambition. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's probably virtues and vices that goes into that, but we're kind of all better off for it in a lot of ways. Yeah, so it, both of them, as you said, have these space companies. And, uh, you know, I saw a quote that said, the holy grail for these space companies is having uh, reusable rockets that you can launch. Because once currently the system is literally, you build this $100 million space shuttle rocket that you send up into the air and that's it. One-time use, that $100 million investment's over. Uh, what they're hoping is you build out these rockets, and they're going to build them 10 times cheaper, but they're reusable. And their end game is if these rockets are cheaper and reusable, uh, I've seen quotes where they think, hey, why can't these rocket companies, why can't we send things into space much like an airline launches an airplane? Uh, so they're, this is the first time they're going to use a reusable engine. So it's clearly the first step to their kind of getting rockets into space like airlines. And it would be near and dear to your heart if you were sent to Mars because it's really the only way you'd be ever to come exactly. back. Exactly. Yeah, that, that was, <laughs> and, and that's what everyone was saying. Like, yeah. look, if the end game is to Mars, currently our technology kind of only lets you get there. You would assume, even though it's a three-year trip there or something, at some point they probably want to get back. So that rocket darn well better be reusable you, if you they ever want to. You change your mind. It's a little boring. <laughs> the nightlife's not so good. You might not Matt like Damon's not there. You think he's going to be there. There's no Matt Damon. The, the, the fellow astronauts, by the end, upon arrival, you've heard all of their jokes and you're, they're getting a little stale. Um, you know, a lot of innovation comes from price sensitivity. If you look at the Industrial Revolution, it was really spurred in Europe due to relatively high labor costs. India and China, technologically, and in terms of their education systems. They had a lot going for them, but they had such cheap labor, they weren't that interested in labor-saving devices. If you look at NASA and the government, I mean, what do they want to save money for going into outer space? If they save money, their budgets would be cut next year. I mean, they love that it's, you know, every every government contractor would like nothing more than to have nothing reusable. Yeah, there was an interesting article, and I, I didn't quite get a finish, but it was talking about, uh, you know, kind of cutting, draining the swamp and cutting out, in this case, it was some of the DOD budgets. And the things they were saying were, where people were like, look, people's goal in the, it's to get your project approved, right? Mm-hmm. Get your project approved, and then it takes on a life of its own. So people are constantly underestimating how much things are, would cost, and some people come into projects underway and they'll be like, "Holy shit, this is this is so much, uh, this is so much overexpensing." And who's running it? Are we running it, or are the defense contractors just running this and profiting like crazy? So exactly. very interesting stuff. And so he has some price sensitivity. I mean, uh, less than the average person, but uh, but more than the average. A rocket uh, entity, and I think that that's where a lot of his uh, his benefit has come in. Again, and yet one more Elon Musk step change. And uh, as for Mars. I don't want to go, but I'd be happy to nominate people to send. So if I could kind of have the role of picking personality. Let's see. Why, why don't we move on to Tesla? Sure. So Tesla in the news, you know, there was a – this was more just an, a headline, I think. But Tencent bought up 5% of – Tencent, the Chinese internet uh, giant, bought up 5% of Tesla on the open market. Uh, they're a pacifier. Elon Musk owns 20%. So Elon Musk is not going anywhere. But it's kind of a – people were saying, hey, is this a reaffirmation of their plans? The real interesting thing, I think, were his bold claims at the beginning of the week. Uh, they're getting ready to release the Model 3, their $35,000 electric sedan. And he's forecasting uh, 430,000 Model 
these will be produced by the end of 2018. And to put those numbers into kind of perspective, that is more electric cars than in total were sold on the planet last year. Uh, even if he just hits half of that, kind of about 200,000, that would be more uh, Model 3 sold than the Mercedes C-Class and the BMW 3 Series combined. Those are kind of similar price points. Uh, and, you know, we saw quotes that said to sell that many sedans in the U.S. would be absolutely unprecedented. So uh, I turn it over to you. What are your thoughts on uh, Tesla this week? You know, Elon Musk eggs himself on. You can really see this cadence when you follow his Twitter feed. And just, just for one second back on SpaceX and then to, to Tesla, he'll write something very gracious about Jeff Bezos. He'll write, you know, just wonderful and so forth. And then you wait about 10 minutes, and then there's kind of a snarky backhanded comment. Mm. And then you go 10 more minutes, and then he just kind of lays into him. Mm. And the same thing with Tesla. You know, there'll be some kind of announcement, and it'll be kind of sober. And then, sober. And then, then it kind of goes a little bit on tilt. Uh, 430,000 models of the, you know, geez. Um, I was looking at that number, and then I was looking at the average uh, uh, per car cost. Um, you know, positive and negative. Uh, the, uh, on one hand, I think that that number of models is probably, you know, maybe one and a half times over or at least what they'll probably ship. But then again, the price for the individual cars, it will probably be at least one and a half times over what he says they're going to be because early adopters are fanboys. A lot of these are employees and people who are close to the company, and they're going to spend a lot more than $35,000 on each model. Well, again, I think that's the exponential thing, right? Like the, the initial ones are going to cost a lot more than 30, uh, 35000 but he's hoping you, you get the manufacturing process right, and as you kind of scale that mm-hmm. manufacturing process up, you get the Gigafactory running full capacity, you, you bring costs way down. He's kind of think, I think he's thinking exponentially mm-hmm. there. Uh, but I kind of want to jump on something you said. You, know, you mentioned Elon Musk on Twitter, and uh, a lot of Elon Musk and a lot of kind of the, the Tesla, the bullish Tesla analysts, in some ways it reminds me of Donald Trump supporter where they say, hey, you need to take Elon Musk uh, seriously, seriously not but not literally. And, you know, he's on Twitter and he spouts off these things and then everybody's like, oh, I can't believe Elon did it again. <laughs> Though in Elon's case, I think there's a lot more thought going through it. But, you know, I think uh, – I don't even know if you if you kind of put him with truth here. Maybe he'd say he believe it, but like it's a real stretch goal for him. And if you read his auto his biography and everything, he's always pushing people to like the, the projections must be the edge of perfection. Uh, but it, people are saying, hey, don't take him literally on the 430,000. Take him seriously when this is going to be a massive success. The, we're going to produce a ton of these. It's going to be bigger than the Mercedes 3 Series or the Mercedes uh, C Series. So I, I kind of see what they're yeah. saying, but it's just so big. It's it's ridiculous. You, you can't take it seriously. He needs to convince the people who need to buy his shares, uh, Tencent, but also people participating in subsequent equity raises, which he has to do. And so I think, he's, I think that's his primary audience is the marginal – uh, the marginal uh, primary market Tesla equity buyer. Uh, I think that he uh, is happy to uh, scare the wits out of Mercedes and other conventional uh, companies that would be in a lot of trouble. The used car market would be in a lot of trouble. Uh, and at the same time, the other audience he has to scare uh, a little bit with these uh, is uh, he has to scare the potential uh, depositors who uh, he has to worry a little bit about cannibalism for the uh, higher-end cars that are much more expensive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think he's kind of balancing all those audiences and then just saying what he wants. Yeah. 
Uh, let's see, and we've got a few minutes left. Why don't we turn to Neuralink, which is kind of the most fascinating. This is his new company he's working on. Uh, it's a company to help people keep up with machines. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way it is, it, what I'm hearing described as, it's neural lace technology that imprints tiny brain electrodes to upload and download thoughts. And the thinking is kind of short-term, hey, this will be great for helping out with intractable brain diseases. You know, Alzheimer's or something mm-hmm. comes to mind. But long-term, this helps humanity avoid... Uh, avoid falling prey to kind of the rise of AI and intelligent machines. So I, I think it's so interesting. And one place he's really thought a lot about, and I've thought about a lot about too, is you know the rise of artificial machines and how that imperils the human race. Clearly, this is kind of one of his uh, maybe insurance bets against that, or trying to uh, make sure humans have a place on the earth in the long term. You know, it's kind of like a brain uh, prosthetic. Uh, if you look at prostheses, uh, the first one is just trying to look like a foot. And then after a while, you think, well, wait a second. Why does it have to look like a yeah, foot? We can yeah. make, it, make it look like a cheetah's foot. Yeah. Uh, and you're just trying to, you're not trying to be a foot. You're trying to run. Yeah. And I think that the first one will say, well, uh, we can have a mental prosthetic for somebody with Alzheimer's. And we can uh, remember for them memories. And then you think, well, why memory? Why your memories? Why not better memories? Yeah. Why, why, why your facts that you know? There, there's a lot of other facts out there. <laughs> and, and I think that that's, Why not alternative facts? That switch is going to come very quickly. Yeah, no, I think that's great. And like you're saying, like, why why choose this one? Why have a knee that only bends in one direction? Why not have a knee that bends in all directions when you want it to or is, you know, a hundred times as strong or something? I, I think it's a great point. You know, why do you need, uh, you know, you don't need specific memory. You can probably download everything, recall everything on the spot. Uh, have movies in your memory. I don't know. But I, I think you're right that quickly it's going to evolve from learning the way we learn to it helps people learn more the way computers learn quicker speed faster speed more memory able to look deeper into history so it will be very interesting i you know i think huge subject and we're over time so i don't think we have too much any anything else on the subject uh, i would just finish off by saying that i think that he's actually very thoughtful about this philosophically that i think he uh, if you look at most of his peers in technology this is just uh presupposed to be an endless good and that we are on what could quickly become you know geometric growth in ai and that uh he's thinking more carefully than most about this. No, I'm with you and we'll have to talk about it another time. Sure. But you know, a lot of the articles were saying like him, Bill Gates and Stephen Hawking all think AI could mark the end of mankind. And it's crazy because a lot of very thoughtful people, you know, Larry Page, Mark Zuckerberg, all these very thoughtful tech moguls, they all say, oh, these guys, they, they uh, I believe Elon Musk got the Luddite Award one year for saying this. And all these uh, tech moguls are saying, oh, no, AI is going to be the best thing ever. But, you know, if you think about uh, machines that are smarter than humans, think faster than humans, you know, they don't have human morality implicitly. Uh, of course it could be the end of mankind. So I, I, I tend to find much more in the Elon Musk camp, and I agree with you. I think it's great that he's thinking about that. But huge topic, 15-minute podcast. Don't have time for any more of that today. Before we hit our disclosures, just a quick reminder. If you like this podcast, the best way to get more of them is to recommend us to a friend and get them to start listening. You know, The more listeners we have, the more likely we are to continue to do these. Uh, disclosures, Chris, none for me. Any for you? Uh, Tesla Depositor, not a shareholder. Tesla Depositor. Perfect. We'll talk to you guys maybe tomorrow.